0: Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to the Big Chew Podcast. I'm your host, Maria Stockmuller. Here at the Big Chew, we ask, hey, how can we live on Earth without the stupid? What can science tell us? What can spirit tell us? So grab a bite and let's masticate. you believed with all your heart that God had a plan for you. You married someone who believed that too. You planned your lives together as an evangelical Christian pastor and his evangelical pastor's wife with your evangelical kids. As many kids as God chose to give you because, of course, you didn't use birth control. Then, as your beliefs couldn't keep up with your education, you realize you're an atheist. What happens now? Steve and Chrissy Hilliker went through doubt, fear, grief, and eventually the work of rebuilding their lives after religion. To help others who are moving from religious belief to agnosticism and atheism, they founded the Voices of Deconversion podcast. In part one of this two-part conversation, we talk about what they believed and why and there's sometimes jagged movement away from that toward a whole different worldview and a different kind of life. Just a reminder that it would be part of any supreme being's plan for you to subscribe to the Big Chew podcast on iTunes because you won't want to miss part two of Stephen Chrissy's story either. So, hi, Stephen Chrissy. Hi, Maria. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to, to talk with you about your story. So how did you guys meet? Like, how old were you? And did you meet in some kind of religious event or something?
1: Well, I was best friends with his younger sister. Mm-hmm. So that's how that happened. Okay. Um, and we became, uh, we became friends through church, through a v- evangelical church um, events. Uh, so, yeah, and we've been friends since I was, I think, 14, you were 16.
2: Yeah, we went to the same local church. Um, we did kind of start going to the same youth group and then got to know each other better that way. Mm-hmm. Like when we were in high school.
0: And so when you started getting romantically involved and then you decided, how old are you guys when you got married?
1: I was 19. Wow. Yeah. And Steve was 21. Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And that was considered perfectly okay among your family members? or?
2: Well, I mean, I think, like, my family, I don't know. I don't know that they cared that much about the age, but I think they were a little concerned because of the fact that when we, and this is kind of jumping ahead, but when we decided we weren't going to use birth control, I think it really worried them, (laughs) which, you know,
1: Rightfully so. Maybe
2: it should have, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it should have worried us a little bit more.
0: <laughs> but yeah, um,
2: yeah. So.
1: Yeah. My family was a little concerned. That you were that young. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Your brain's
0: not even fully developed at 19. Oh, and for guys, it's not even fully developed in their mid-20s. Yeah, yeah. And even after that, it's a crap shoot. You got to fear.
2: But, but see, Stay quiet. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I'm going to take, when you go low, I'm going to go high. <laughs> In your
0: relationship, when did you decide you were going to study to be a pastor?
2: Well, it happened actually before our relationship, because I think um, when I graduated high school, and I, I spent one year at um, Washington State University, and during that year, Um, is kind of when I started to think in terms of, you know, what else could I do with my life? Um, I had not really thought of a a plan, but I was, um, as far as prior to that, other than I was crazy about football as a kid. So I wanted to play football, but when I realized that wasn't going to work out, um, I knew I had to think of something, you know, something else. And as a strong Christian at that point, as a, you know, 18 year old who was really, um, I guess really, really, uh, I would have said on fire for God. So I was like really on fire for God. <laughs> okay. fuego. Um, yeah. So at that point it's like, okay, well, what else can I do with my life? And so that's when I started to think, well, there's nothing better that I could do than like serve God, you know, learn, learn the Bible really well. And so that's when I decided I wanted to, um, kind of go that route, like think about what God may want for me in, in those in, in that, in that way. Um, and then, and then when I came home my, from my freshman year at Washington state, that's when we started to date. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually were about to go to Trinity Lutheran college together, which is where I graduated from. Um, but we ended up putting it off and then we got married and, and had kids before going back to school. Um,
0: you were thinking about doing this. Your your freshman year in college, you came home. You and Chrissy started dating, and it was like so. That was a really effective pickup line for you, Chrissy, wasn't it? Want to be a pastor's wife? Um,
2: <laughs> Want to make babies for the rest of your life? What do you say? <laughs> How many years of schooling was that that well, you would have to go through? At the time, I hadn't thought about it at all because the evangelical um, Christianity is you don't need a degree to be a pastor so I hadn't even thought about that and when I went to Trinity Lutheran College, it's a mainline denomination and they do require for many of for their denominations too um, or their um, parishes to um, to have a degree like a master's degree um, a, a master's in divinity, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. so I actually learned of that when I went to school there. So I went to school there to get a, a degree in biblical studies because one, I think, I, I wanted to learn. I wanted to know the Bible really, really well, right? Because I, I, think I was kind of confused about what, what, I, what God wanted for my life. So um, I was trying to figure that out. So I figured if I knew the Bible really well, like that would help me, because that's God's word. When I went to school, I wasn't thinking in terms of you know how long will I have to go. I just thought I'm going to get a degree in biblical studies, and then I'll have a degree in biblical studies. And in an evangelical setting, that's that's pretty good, because a lot of these guys haven't done that. Um, Of course, there are many pastors that have, you know, a a master's of divinity or something like that, but I didn't know a whole lot. So um, that was kind of the plan.
0: And was it during your review of biblical literature and really studying it and stuff that you first started to have doubts or how did that work?
2: Yeah. Um, so to back up a little bit, like when I, I, I mentioned, um, that I really was into football when I was, you know, growing up and stuff. Mm-hmm. When when I realized, like, that wasn't going to be, like, a, you know, I, that's not a career option or whatever. <laughs> um, when I realized that, like, I think there was a little bit of disillusionment. Like, I thought that if I was a good Christian and that um, if I, you know, devoted my life to God, like, that things would kind of work out for me, like, in general. Um, and so when it didn't work out, it was kind of like, okay, well, God wants something else for me, but I think that kind of lays the groundwork for things aren't going quite the way I thought they would, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, were you good at was, football? I was good in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty good in high school, but I'm five ten, and uh, and anybody who knows sports would know that I ran a, like about a five uh, second forty yard dash, which is really slow. <laughs> <laughs> so, and so being shorter and not not that fast, you know. I mean. Why God? Why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so let's see. So, when I went to Trinity Lutheran College, um, we had just been married. I started in two thousand two in the fall, and we had been married in two thousand one. So, by that point, we had already decided to. We felt it was not God's will to use birth control. Mm-hmm. So, we already had a baby.
0: And how did you? <laughs> how did you figure that though? that it wasn't God. I mean, where did you find that, that information or affirmation that it wasn't God's will to use birth control?
1: I think that I don't, for, for evangelicals, um, maybe more so than some other denominations, they really preach God having control of every aspect of your life. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. And so if you trust in God, he will provide. Um, and so when we were, when I was you know, when we were young, before we even started seriously talking about marriage, I just kind of felt like you trust God with your body too. And you trust God with how many children you have. And, you know, I didn't know anything about the body or how that all works. I just knew that you need to trust God. And, um, so I kind of talked to Steve about that and we, we sort of adopted that, assuming that God would make sure that we didn't have more babies than we could handle. Um, but Obviously that's not how the body works.
2: <laughs> like you can have lots of babies. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Way more than you can handle.
2: And that, that is, I mean, down the road, something that, that caused us to start rethinking that was when we realized we couldn't handle it. I think yeah. we started to realize it was a lot like mentally, it was a strain and um, financially it was a huge strain. We were on food stamps at that point. Like this is a couple years after, this is about a year or two into my schooling, but mm-hmm. And you um, had
0: one kid at the time? Yeah, so... No, we had two. We had Jacob.
2: And we well, had yeah, Jacob was born in 2003. So mm-hmm. that was like my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Whoa.
1: So, and then yeah, yeah after I had a second one, and uh-huh. I was nursing one, and the other one wasn't sleeping, and they, they both weren't sleeping, I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> no more. I'm done. <laughs> and so
0: when you thought that, Chrissy, how did that jive with thinking okay god wants me to have as many children as he wants to give me or something but meanwhile i personally just can't handle this
1: well i think i think people who hold really strong religious beliefs they can they can modify them to i think what i thought was i need to take care of the gifts that i've been given and i can't take care of if if this keeps going on i can't keep taking care of them we financially we can't and you know i'm not sleeping this is you know emotionally it was really difficult Stephen was working and going to school full time we had one car so i just felt trapped oftentimes in the house and i was it was just like i think it was a you know when you're 19 you really think you can do it all and then mm-hmm. when life kind of hits you realize oh that's not how the world works
2: you know yeah that was that was a shocker i mean just like when life starts to happen it's a shocker, especially if you're someone who believes that if you trust God, that it may not be perfect. You might not have a lot of material possessions, but you'll get through, like, you'll have enough food, you'll have shelter. Like you you imagine that these basic things will be taken care of. And, you know, I think just the realization that like the government's paying for our food, um, (laughs) and that's embarrassing and horrible to like stand in a line and pull out your, like your food stamp card and pay. And, um, just feeling like we couldn't handle it. And then like, to be honest, like I, um, that's when like for me, at least I started to get really depressed because I think you start to realize like you can't handle it all. And so life's not going the way that you think it's going to go. And that's hard. You know,
0: did you think that was your fault that you were missing some, uh, some message from God that you weren't doing it right? Or did, um, did you blame any of that on you on yourselves?
2: Mm, that's a good question um did you
1: um I did Maria that's a really good question for when he began to doubt his faith that's exactly how I felt um but we can talk about that later I don't started I think at that point I was just really confused and just thinking I guess wondering you know maybe God's not working the way that I thought he did you know maybe maybe this whole maybe other people were right when they said that we need to use our brains a little bit and <laughs> <laughs> you know so it did start sort of a path of questioning our you know and i think too when you're that young you think in really black and white terms mm-hmm. and part of growing up is kind of realizing you you know we live a lot more in the gray um and so i think that was part of the growth process for for both of us.
2: Yeah. And I, I, didn't blame myself. I don't think at that point, I think I was just trying to find God's will. Like, I just wanted to know what the right thing to do was. And so we kind of rationalized and worked our way through. Okay. We think God wants us to be mentally healthy. We think God wants us to take care of our physical health. We think that, you know, God would want us to be able to take care of the kids that we have. And so we started to use those arguments to make ourselves feel better. We There was a lot of verses in the Bible that were kind of um influential in helping at least me decide that not using birth control was the way to go. Mm-hmm. and i won't I won't like, you know, list them off or anything. But there were just a handful of verses that I felt like confirmed that. Um but then when life starts to happen, then we kind of we uh, justified our change in belief by, you know, just saying, hey, to, God wants us to be responsible with what the things that he's given us. so That's kind of how we moved down that path a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you started, we have
1: two kids instead of eight.
2: (laughs) And that's, yeah, that's when we put the brakes on and (laughs) we never took our foot off the pedal off the brake. (laughs) That was it. (laughs) Two. And it was like, we're done.
0: Were you guys, were you guys virgins when you married?
2: Is that too personal a question? No, it's fine. I wasn't.
0: I was,
1: uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a tricky question. Cause what do you consider? Cause with, with <laughs> Stephen, okay. So Stephen and I had been dating for two years before we got
0: married. That's a long time when you're a hot blooded teenager. It that's was, right.
1: I mean, I mean, we had, um, the will of iron, I guess, but, but it was, it was oh, hard. I wouldn't say that, <laughs> <laughs>
2: but well, we tried. Yeah. Let's say that. We tried as yeah, much we as tried. you can, you
1: know, well, which is probably why we got married at 19 and 21. Right. Um, you know, that's a whole nother issue, but with, with, you know, uh, Christian or, or just religious teens, it makes it really difficult when you're at a stage where experimentation and, and being in relationships is a natural part of the growth process and you can't go there.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: and so, and we were engaged for a year too. I mean that, like, I just thinking back, I'm like, what the heck was, you know, who cares? It's my body, you know, but
2: I remember thinking when we signed our marriage certificate, there was this like date range. And so I'm, a, you know, thinking in black and white terms, like you shouldn't have sex before your wedding day, like literally the day. Mm-hmm. And we fill out this certificate and it's, you know, state law. And it has this range, like basically you're like, our, our anniversary is June 2nd. So it was like May 24th to like June 15th is when you're married, you know, basically to get married anytime in there. You're good, and we sign well, it. No, because like, of
0: your license, when it's good for, yeah, like how long it's good for. Uh huh. Right.
2: So I'm thinking to myself, like, what? Like, like there's not like a day. Like that's we. It was weird to me. It was like a weird realization that like technically, if we had sex on May 24th, if that's when it began, for instance, <laughs> like we wouldn't be sinning, right? <laughs> <laughs> so it was this weird like. It just, it was a weird realization for me, I guess. I yeah. don't know. It's like, what? <laughs> There's a date range? That's not in the Bible. I have a
0: certificate. <laughs> you
2: can get married. You can have sex after marriage or within the two-week period that your license is good.
0: <laughs> That's so hilarious that you're looking at that as a possible out. I mean, as someone who was raised very religious, the same kind of thing happens. I mean, you you make all kinds of deals, you know?
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> it deals with your...
2: Well, if I'm doing this, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> well, this is funny because I remember um, my pastor, who was going to marry us, um, had a, a deal, and now we look back on it, and we think it's really weird and kind of kind of messed up. But he he would not marry us if we had sex before marriage How because did he felt he like know? He, we well, would have to tell. Well, because I'm have way to too tell honest. The
0: truth?
2: Yeah, I'm too honest sometimes. <laughs> so but I remember um so I did I confessed to him and then a week before our wedding um our pastor wasn't going to do the ceremony so that was a problem
0: whoa yeah Yeah. that is so that's just like such a power grab man
2: yeah but he like he was a good guy like I hate to like I don't know I know that sounds horrible but he was a good person and I understood like his reasoning and everything but like when you think about the fact that it's like it's a natural thing like you're in love with somebody of course you're going to want to have sex with them you know what i mean and like to tell people that they can't do it that's an archaic biblical
1: idea or or that it's sinful to even want to
0: yeah
2: right talk about confusions so i would rational so i I remember rationalizing with them and and telling him like i don't remember all the little intricacies of what i was getting at, but i um i just remember explain to him why it was okay. Like why, like that we were in love and that I really felt like God was okay with it. And it was like, basically it was natural and all this stuff. So like you said, making deals, you know, I feel like I was trying to like make it okay in my head. And of course now I think it's no big deal. But then he, I remember him after I explained everything saying, you know, we were going to pray together. And then in his prayer, he, he just said, God, I just think Satan's put the blinders on. Like in other (laughs) words, like satan is blinding steve he doesn't realize <laughs> yeah but he didn't question my sincerity he knew that i was trying to be sincere about it but um wow. but yeah that caused a problem because then we had to find a pastor in a week
0: yeah so so he actually wouldn't do it and you had to find somebody else yeah, yeah that's <laughs> wild oh my god
2: just yeah. and,
0: and how did you explain that to your family? I assume you invited them to the wedding and stuff. Oh, or... yeah.
2: I mean, people had travel plans, like people were coming into town from other states, you know, and we couldn't really tell them. None of them found out, but like our parents found out.
1: <clears throat> What's weird about it is like now being outside of the church, It just it's so bizarre how obsessed the church is with people's sex life
0: oh absolutely yeah it's so
1: like now thinking back as a young woman like if I could speak to myself then I'd say it's not their business what you do with your body like nobody you don't owe that information to anyone it, your body belongs to you you know right but, but Chrissy yeah. were you
0: in this whole scheme how did you feel about becoming a minister's wife a pastor's wife was did that appeal to you did you consider that to be a calling or was that something that was kind of incidental to how you and Steve were going to live together?
1: I was young enough that I I hadn't really developed a strong sense of self. And I think I was sort of the same as Steve. I was sort of trying to find my, I guess, who, who God wanted me to be. And I, I hadn't figured it out. So when Stephen came along and he had a slightly stronger idea about what he should do I sort of latched on that and I just assumed that I you know unfortunately the bible it it does suggest that women are subservient <laughs> and that they are the you know man's helpmate and I just sort of thought that was going to be my role um was to help him and to support him and uh, you know thinking back it's kind of sad to me um but at the time, I thought I was doing the right thing. It was sort of a sacrifice, you know, like a holy sacrifice that I was making to support my husband. And, um, and I actually think I was more comfortable with that idea than Steve was.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. it, I mean, <laughs> for the record, it, uh, it it always bothered me that idea, like wives submit to your husbands. Right. Um, but I was Christian, and I felt like, you know, you ha- you had to follow the Bible, so you know, a lot of our pastors would say things like, um, you know, wives submit to your husbands, but then the next verse is husbands, um, love your wives. Like Christ loves the church. And the idea was, you know, Christ gave his life for the church. Mm-hmm. So you should live your life, you know, sacrificially for your wife. So that way it was like, Hey, we're both kind of sacrificing. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was okay. That's how I rationalized it. And a lot of evangelicals, I think, rationalize it. of course,
0: it. yours sound, your sacrifice sounds a lot more heroic
2: Well, it was, Maria. (laughs) (laughs) I do view myself as a hero.
1: (laughs) You need sleep, you
2: need sleep Or your body comes alive You will be restless Bested, Steve talk about inside. when you
0: first started to feel these doubts. I mean, you've said to me before that so much of your life was concerned with discerning God's will for you. Yeah. And um first I'd like to know where did you how did you discern that? Did you did you meditate? Did you pray? Did you or or was it just through reading the Bible, or and and yeah. what happens when you started to feel that this wasn't going the way you had planned?
2: I would read the Bible to look for hints or look for verses that spoke to me, because then that was God's way of, of telling me what to do, was if I read his word and, and I read a verse that resonated, it might give me hints, like, you know, which way to go with my life. So did and you just, for, like,
0: pick a page, or did you just, like, you know, like, putting your finger on a map or
2: <laughs> um you know that's really funny um I think that sometimes I would just you know pick a, ver- a, a book in the bible to read or just read a section of the, of the bible but I do remember this is really funny I, I, I haven't remembered this in so long but um I haven't thought about this in so long but from time to time this wasn't all the time I would totally like open the bible to a page and start reading kind of like I mean, that almost sounds like um, like new agey almost or something like you just like pull it open, and put your finger down. and It's like, OK, that's the verse. Um, and of course, it doesn't work out most of the time. But um, yeah, stuff like just that kind of thinking, I think, was part of my understanding, like to what just trying to understand God's will. So reading the Bible, praying um, and and, you know, rational thought, like trying to think through, like, what would I be good at? What do I want to do? So it all kind of played into it.
0: So did both of you think that the the Bible was a literal word of God, that it was really the source of everything you needed to know to live a decent life? Yep. Yes.
2: Like a hundred percent. Yeah.
0: So okay, Steve, so you're you're studying, you're studying the Bible, and then what's happening?
2: So yeah, so um, you know, all the the you know, we got married, had two kids right away that's all happening. Um, we're both suffering from depression. I don't know that. Yeah. So that's going on. That's all happening while I'm, I'm getting up at, you know, six in the morning to go to school and then I go right to work and I get home at like, you know, nine o'clock at night. I mean, it's like a long day. So you were basically
0: a single mother, Chrissy. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah. So that was super hard for her. I was exhausted because I had, when I got home, then I had studying to do, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and I try to do my homework at at work. I worked at a call center. So I was like trying to study while I was at work, just anytime I could get free, free time. Um, anyway, all that's happening, because I think that's important to understand like all the stress that was on both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember the first like thing that was said at that school. And I am really grateful for my education because it was a liberal um, progressive uh, denomination. The ELCA um, is a Lutheran denomination that's fairly progressive. And they were okay with gay ministers before a lot of different denominations were and things Uh like that. Um, But I remember it was my freshman year and, and it was a a special class during like the um, right before Christmas. So it was like a two week course and we're learning the book of Mark and the, the professor is talking about a verse. I don't remember the verse, but what I remember him saying was, you know, he's talking about this verse and he goes, you know, this could just be mark's opinion you know he's like this might just be mark's opinion in this verse and i was completely scandalized by that <laughs> the idea that like like a human beings influence could influence god's word you know mm-hmm. and did he also that tell was...
0: you that there's a very good chance that there is no mark <laughs>
2: yes yeah yeah that came later yeah um so that was scandalous to me, just that idea that God's word could be tarnished by humans, like mm-hmm. that humans could make errors in it. Because I believed in, um, in I forget, there's infallibility and there's inerrancy, and one of them means completely perfect, and I think it's inerrancy. So uh, I believed in inerrancy, that the Bible is completely perfect the way it is. There's no errors anywhere. Um, that's how I came into Bible school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something I remember, and then... The other thing for me that was really important was my junior year. I was studying how a lot of denominations interpret the Old Testament as allegory or metaphor. Mm-hmm. And they don't literally believe that like Jonah was eaten by a whale or that all these animals fit onto an ark. They <laughs> believe those stories have a meaning, you know, like a like something to tell you, but that they didn't happen. And when I read that, of course, this is, you know, a couple of years into my, into my degree, I remember being so excited because I felt like I didn't have to defend these really ridiculous stories in the Bible anymore mm-hmm. that I could say, oh, no, I don't believe that they're, that a snake literally talked. I believe it's a story trying to tell us a, a greater truth. And so I remember really being excited about that. But of course, when you start viewing the Old Testament as not not perfect and and that the stories are just nice tales to help us learn a moral lesson it starts to kind of chip away little by little at, at your faith or it did for me at least. Um, it was a real short step to take, to say, okay, well, well, what about Jesus? Well, what about the new Testament? How should I view that? And so I started to question all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the moment, and I, I really do view, um, this process as, as if it's like the five state stages of, um, grief. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the stage I was in was denial. I was totally in denial that I was losing my faith. Um, I was progressively kind of going down that road. And the moment that phase of denial ended um, was I was washing some dishes in our little apartment on campus and Chrissy and I are talking and I'm talking to her about, about Jesus and how he may just been like a good moral teacher and, um, and all this stuff. And, and so I'm not even thinking about the implications of what I'm saying. And and I'll never forget, Chrissy just goes, "You're not a Christian." And I, and I like stopped, and I like looked over at her, and I was like, "What?" Hmm. Like it completely shocked me. Like I'm not a Christian. Like what do you mean? And that's when I started to go, "Okay, well, I guess if you don't believe in the divinity of Christ, that kind of probably means you're not a Christian." <laughs> um, but then I didn't know what I was. So that that was like kind of the beginning of like. What the hell's going on? I'm a junior now. I'm in debt. I mean, that's when it like starts going like it, it's like a, I don't know, a whirlwind or a tailspin or something. Yeah. So, so
0: Chrissy, when you do you remember saying that? Do you remember that? That I do. I and you remember, was it to you? Was it kind of an accusatory thing or were you just kind of connecting the dots?
1: Um, I was I was connecting the dots I, for a while he'd been coming back home from class and telling me these things and I it, it really bothered me um, because I still was in the Bible's perfect written by God you know mindset and mm-hmm. so when he'd come home and talk about this kind of stuff it 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 really bothered me and I just kept thinking God's gonna show him the truth you know I just kept praying and thinking that God is having him walk through this, you know, valley of doubt or whatever <laughs> so that he'll be a stronger Christian when he's figured it all out. And I think at, at that point I kind of realized he's not figuring it out. It's getting worse, not better. And, um, and this things he was saying, I just remember thinking like, you do realize what you're saying, right? Like mm-hmm. you're, you're pretty much saying that you're not a Christian. So I just told him and I do remember the look on his face was kind of just kind of like shocked and, um, But yeah, that was a big, I think a big, um, turning point.
0: Um, Steve, you were thinking as this was happening to you, um, well, what does this mean? You know, I've got two kids, I've got a wife, I'm preparing for this and, you know, and you know, now I'm going down some dark alley and Chrissy, did you feel, were you starting to put the whole, uh, marriage under question or, Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you think differently of, of Steve?
1: Um, you know, this is the sad this is the sad thing. i I had always worried that because Stephen and I had um I guess had premarital sex and had such a it's such a hard time with that. people had actually told me that he was not the right one or that he wasn't um, essentially like a, a godly enough person. And so that's when I started to go, did I miss the boat here? Did I pick the wrong person? Yeah. And, um, you know, really, I couldn't have picked better for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven is my, you know, I think he compliments, we compliment each other very well.
0: I think Steve's um, great.
1: He is great. <laughs> and you're and great, it's sad. Too, Chrissy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just very sad to me thinking back where I started to really seriously have doubts. Like, did I miss God's, you know now I have these two kids. I mean, I even had nightmares about it. I had, you know, um, dreams about the kids, you know, being led astray. And it was just, it was a really difficult, but that also began my doubting because I saw how genuine he was. And I saw how he felt he he was just being intellectually honest with Mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't, imagine that someone just trying to be honest with themselves deserved to go to hell
0: so Um, that was the that was the option if you if you didn't believe in this and this this continued or Steve didn't believe in it he was going to go to hell
1: yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and I what but that's I think what got me to start questioning my own black and white thinking and because I just I saw him walk through this process I think I was always really afraid of atheists and I thought that they were angry and mad at God and they were sinful and hedonistic and they were just not Christian because they didn't want to be accountable. I had all these kind of preconceived notions about who atheists were or, or, non non Mm non-Christians. And, but that's not who he was at all, you know? And so it really made me start to question some of my long held biases about people who didn't believe in God.
0: So during this time You were actively able to discuss this with each other. Steve, you were able to share what you were going through. And Chrissy, you were able to kind of metabolize that. Or was it just kind of a big mess?
2: (laughs) It It was was a a mess. mess. (laughs) Because here, like we literally lived on campus. So I would walk down the hall to class, hear some liberal professor talk about some liberal viewpoint of the scriptures that wasn't, you know, the way we were raised. And then I'd come back to the room and start telling her everything I learned. Because, you know, when you learn something exciting and new, you want to talk to people about it. And especially me, I like to talk a lot. So I'd <laughs> like to I'd learn something cool and be like, oh, you know, but as it got more and more into questioning fundamental things about Christianity and my faith, it bothered her so much. And what was so hard about it was I was, I truly was excited, like in in one way, this was like one of the most exciting things I've ever gone through in my life. Like, and I don't mean to say that in, I guess in a dismissive way, because it was one of the worst things that ever happened to me too. So, but I love the idea of like learning something new and just following the facts where they lead. And, and so I'm all excited. I'm talking to her about these ideas I have, and she is not having it, like not happy, not wanting to talk at all. And so then as it gets further and further down the road where I realize I'm not a Christian, then when I come home, it's, I can't talk to her. I can't share these things. And if I do, it's very brief. And she shut me down. I'm not trying to paint a bad picture of Chrissy here, but she would shut me down real quick. I mean, it was like, I don't agree with that. I don't like that. I don't want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. And so it was really hard.
0: Mm Yeah, Well, you're both exhausted. You have young children. And then here comes, here comes Steve becoming an atheist. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, and I think that the other the other big part of it for me was I had sort of put in all my chips with Steve's career. I had, you know, I didn't have hardly any college education. Mm -hmm. I barely, you know, barely graduated high school. Right. And I had no work experience and I had these two babies and we had put all of our eggs in one basket, so to speak, as far as Steve's education. You know, we had so much debt. He was here. He was coming home and saying, oh, I can't do that anymore. I can't do that job anymore and I was thinking what are we gonna do how so there's the there's the piece of you know I'm losing my best friend he's no longer like he's no and I was terrified of atheist men you know like or non religious men like I just didn't trust them
2: (laughs) because where do they get their morals
1: right where do they get their morals and so then my husband's gonna turn into a crazy hedonist and I'm losing my one way to support my children and you know, I was just like, all, you know, it was just, I, so I just didn't want to hear it. Yeah. I just kept thinking, I kept praying, God, you just sort it out with him. You figure it out. I don't, you know, and then how are you going to argue the Bible with a biblical studies major? You know, like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. trying to, trying to go there was just really frustrating.
0: <laughs> so how long did this go on before you started to question
2: yourself, Chrissy?
1: I... I kept, I was real stubborn. I think
2: it was about two years after. So real quick, let me just interject real quick. Um, So when, from the time Chrissy said you're not Christian and I started to realize, Oh my God, I'm maybe I'm not Christian. It was probably six to 12 months before I called myself an atheist. So Mm -hmm. that process was like, am I, should I look into Buddhism? Should I like, what am I? And so I was going through that for six, to 12 months. um, And then, and then you were kind of at the same time um, struggling yeah. So I just wanted to lay, like say that because I think it it's not like I don't want people to get the impression that like you're not a Christian. Oh, OK, I'm an atheist. That's the team I play for now. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's that easy. It was hard and it was really confusing. Like, what am I? What's like? What should I do for a career? All that. So, yeah, I just wanted to say that.
1: Yeah. I, uh, so I think the I started doubting, but I, I was real stubborn and I wasn't letting myself. So if I'd have a thought like that, um, there's a there's a verse in the Bible, um, resist the devil and he'll flee. Resist Satan and he'll flee. And I, I think I, I would just try to just stamp those thoughts down for a long time. And I had had some spiritual experiences, or or what I thought were spiritual experiences, when I was young. Um, And so I just kind of held on to those. And the moment that it, the moment for me, I also had a, you know, one uh, turning moment was when Stephen had said, well. Muslims have those same spiritual experiences and Mormons do and Hindus do. And he, and he, and I I just, it dawned on me, like Christians aren't the only ones who have spiritual experiences that make them hold fast to their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And so how do I know I'm right? And I think that was the beginning of me thinking it was almost a relief to not have to hold on to some really um, kind of despicable, church related beliefs right like gay people aren't bad um, were you actively taught that they were um, I was told to love the sinner not the sin right. I think we, you know bought into that whole thing but I think there's sort of a the church oftentimes equates homosexuality with like pedophilia and like deviant sex and I and I so there was always a part of me that was really uncomfortable with that and because I knew gay people that were really nice people and I didn't see them as deviant. And so that was one of the first things that I was just so relieved to be able to let that go. And then the other part was, you know, my identity as a woman, it didn't revolve around Steve. It, you know, I was my own individual person that had um, my own interests. And so that was sort of awakening for me, too, about just kind of discovering who I was. Um, so it was bittersweet.
0: Steve, when Chrissy started going through this herself, I mean, Chrissy, were you able to be vocal with Steve when you started your own trail of doubts?
1: Yeah, I was, but I was always really cautious. I didn't want to, like, I didn't want to commit <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: to... I always wanted to be able to say, no, 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 I, I, I'm I, still Christian, I'm still Christian. It took me a while to be able to really firmly be open about my my lack of faith, I guess.
2: Um, and be open, you mean just with me, because we weren't open with yeah, family for with you. a little while. Yeah.
0: yeah, how long did it take before, or do you still, are you
2: still kind of... Uh... In the closet?
0: <laughs> yes, are you still in the religious closet with your families?
2: To borrow a phrase from the gay movement, right? But I think the parallels are so... It's good terminology, so... I am, all of my immediate family and a few of my extended family members know, um, but like, you know, casual friends, uh, people at work mostly don't know about how I feel.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was harder for c too because all of his family is in the area and mm-hmm. mine is out of state. Um, Where are you from Chrissy? I was born in Montana, oh. but I grew up here in mm-hmm. Seattle or, or in the Northwest, um, but my fam- a lot of my family's over in Montana so I think they all know now and it's a pretty big scandal but um, I never had to tell anyone my kids actually outed me so
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> my son was like oh we don't believe in that
2: <laughs> yeah leave it to Ryan our extroverted yeah. you know, oldest son yeah. is he the
0: one who I, I just had to crack up when you posted that, that where is your god now <laughs> yes that photo on your site of the empty roll of toilet paper (laughs) where's your god now and your son posted that right yeah
2: because he has a really good sense of humor but then that really i think really bothered my mom because she's a evangelical christian and like questioning god's existence like really bothers her yeah so funny enough like you can't even laugh can't even laugh the same jokes you know yeah yeah
0: (laughs) Thanks to Steve and Chrissy for talking about their deconversion. You won't want to miss the conclusion of our talk where we discuss what can replace religious belief, what happens when you finally get it that Earth is over 6,000 years old, and how they define spirituality now. And hey, it would be great if you subscribe to the Big Chew Podcast on iTunes. You can leave comments and find links to Steve and Chrissy's podcast on my website, www.meetyourmyth.com and click on the Big Chew podcast. Bye for now.